Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the 2021 version of the Fantasy Magnet Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Of course, I am Wes Easley at Loafing It on Twitter. And as always on this Fantasy Magnet Podcast, I am joined by my magnet buddy, JB Barry at Fantasy Coach JB on Twitter. What's shaking, Bacon? What's going on, Wes? I missed you, man. It was a long off season without you. I know we've been in contact, obviously. We talk a lot, but not having the magnets on was just weird. I mean, it. this was our weekly get-together, our, our time to talk and hang out, and I missed you, buddy. <laughs> well, I missed you, too. But it's one of those things where you and I both, I think at the end of last year during football, you know, it all started at COVID and everything, and as, as time marched on, I don't know about you, but I was getting very tired. <laughs> it was, was a long season. <laughs> especially with all the different podcasts. I know you were jumping in and out of them. I know you and I were inundated with all kinds of draft rooms last year. and We had all kinds of teams going on. It was very burdensome. And and I one of the things I loved, though, was how Fantasy Magnets was there. And all the fans that were there to support us throughout that time, buying the gear that you could find over at FI Today, is, I think it's still the pinned tweet over there. I repinned it again. You can buy Fantasy Magnet gear and help support the show and other causes that Viridian Global has. And, and JB... That's one of the things I did love was finding those connections last year. And, and and I'm glad they're still around like you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it was great last year, like you said, with the COVID year. A lot of people got more involved into the fantasy football community. And a lot of people like we did. They connected through different leagues and started producing content and putting out podcasts. And it was good to see that when things kind of went back to whatever the new normal is and everyone went back to work and, and got more involved in their full-time jobs and whatever else life was bringing to them, we were still able to stay connected. And I'll be honest with you, you talk about the gear and stuff. I can't wait till the weather gets a little bit colder because I miss my Fantasy Magnets hoodie, man. That's the most comfortable hoodie I own, and I can't wait to wear it again <laughs> i yeah i have to get a new one because uh, my daughter has taken over that one you know the oldest teenager that's, <laughs> it's hers i can't i can't wear it anymore it's hers and so i no longer am in possession of one i still have the fantasy magnet hat though so thank you very much i believe you got that for me so i appreciate that but check that out over there and jb one of the things we're going to do today is we are going to just just look at the adps we're going to work through a draft so to speak kind of we're just going to take the top 12 players at each of the well i say top 12 we're going to group them in 12 because everybody's usually in a 12-team PPR draft. And that's what we're going to try to do is help you this last holiday weekend before the season starts to kind of work your way through a draft room. And we're going to look for booms, busts, people that we would really love to get in, in, in those different rounds. And I'm excited for that show, JP. I know you've been all around the world talking about drafts and in different drafts rooms. How many teams are you in this year or leagues are you in this year? Oh, Wes, I, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to answer this. Oh, I actually, you did it. I, <laughs> I just updated my spreadsheet yesterday. And yes, <laughs> I need to keep a spreadsheet to keep track of where I have leagues. And I did a rostership spreadsheet to see who I have and how many different leagues and what percentage I have of different players. And I've landed at currently drafting right now the Weenus Together League that Cooter Doodle put together. <laughs> and that is my 23rd league. Oh, I have a geez. Long Island. Yeah, I have a Long Island content creators draft coming up on Thursday. We're doing a live draft with a bunch of local content creators. That'll be 24. And then I have the Pros with Joe's charity draft, which will round out my 25. 
<laughs> the good thing though, Wes, only yeah. eleven of them are managed. So the rest of them are best ball. I only have to manage eleven teams, which is sad that that's a good thing in my mind. <laughs> no, I I said I was going to cut back, and I did cut back this year. I I'm under ten. I probably will sneak in a couple of more just to kind of get me to that ten thing. But really looking for a lot of best balls and not managed leagues. And and here's the tricky part now is a lot of people are making those best balls like like your buddies over there at Razzball or even the Scott Fishbowl where they're, they're kind of best balls and they're kind of not. You can still manage a little bit of rosters. And personally, I'd almost just rather be best balls at this point. Yeah, that's what I like about Razzball is that the Razzball is best mm-hmm. ball th- until the playoffs. So it lets you just kind of sit back and, and let your roster go until the playoffs. And then come playoffs, you actually have to set your roster when it matters. So I, I like that concept. They did a good job with that. Yeah, and uh, here's here's another thing that you I know you're going to squeeze this one in too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Fantasy Impact Today has the pleasure of being able to host again the Baby Bowl this year uh, with another podcast with our buddy Rob Norton at Norton0723 on Twitter. You're sneaking that one in there. Is, are you counting that as part of your 25? I haven't counted it as part of my 25. Yeah. I haven't fully committed to that yet, but I don't know how I could say no to Rob. I mean, that that's just... It's different, so it's something that I'll have to put more thought into. And between the 25 leagues, the three podcasts and two articles a week, plus having a baby on the way in October and a full-time job, it's going to be a lot for me to manage. I don't think my wife's going to be very happy this season. <laughs> well, you know, first, two, two things there. Congratulations on the baby. I know that's coming. We haven't made that announcement official here on the Fantasy Magnet Podcast, but congratulations, JB, on that one, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. And and the Norton thing, the, the baby bowl with Rob Norton, that's more of a DFS kind of, that's the way I kind of picture it is a DFS game more so than any kind of other league that I'm in. So I don't consider that one a league at all because really it doesn't take that long to set your roster. And once you set your roster, you just lock it in and let it go. That makes so. sense. That yeah. makes sense. All right, you sold me, Wes. <laughs> it's, 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 it goes to a good cause, too. And like you said, Rob Norton at Norton0723. You can hit him up to how to join that baby bowl. Prizes each and every week for that. A, week, a grand prize at the end if you happen to be that person that wins it all. I think it's the top three, maybe the top five finishers in that are able to qualify for a prize, for a monetary prize. So you kind of win back your uh, entrance fee that you have there. And plus, we usually have a playoff baby bowl edition as well. And on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, we're also going to once again do the dfs dreamer podcast with pierre this year as well so that was always a good time and so uh, jb i know you're writing too i, I we got to get into the show a little bit but i also know that you're writing and doing content for our new buddy aaron torres for aaron torres online.com yeah super excited for that opportunity aaron reached out and we connected i'll be doing some dfs content over there on aaron torres online i'm also going to be doing a dfs little quick hitter podcast we're calling it the dfs flash podcast so i'll have two things going on over there at aaron torres online super excited it's it's a great opportunity and and aaron's a great dude and you're still doing everything over there at Razzball as well. So that's that's always good news to hear. Uh, Johnny Fursell and I were over there on Aaron Toys Online Media as well this year. So here we are. We're in. Let's let's pretend we're in a draft room, JB, as only the fantasy magnets can do. And I don't know where your draft position is in the first round. I know I have a in my home league. We're drafting this weekend. And look, I don't know what I'm going to do because those guys. 
those those guys are little weasels. Can I just tell you that in my home league? They're little weasels. So what they're going to do is they're going to sit here and listen to this podcast. So I want to be truthful with a magnet audience, of course. But at the same time, I wish I could you know, kind of throw my home league off a little bit, JB. But I have draft position number four this year, and I am just dreading number four. Thankfully, I know that some of those guys may pick Mac Jones one through three just because he's from Alabama and those guys like Alabama stuff a whole (laughs) lot. So I I might get lucky and have some people fall to me. But number four is really a tricky spot here in the first round. Can we agree? Christian McCaffrey, number one. Dalvin Cook, number two. And then that's where it gets sketchy for a lot of people. Maybe the Alvin Kamara, do you think that he is the surefire number three pick this year because of all the receptions in a 12-team PPR draft? No, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because he's my number two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I Actually, I didn't have him up there, but all of the recent news has had me move him up every single week. So hmm. when Taysom Hill was possibly going to be the quarterback – I was a little bit worried for Kamara, but as soon as they announced it was Jameis Winston, I was like, okay, you know, let's move Kamara back up a little bit. It'll be more of a normal offense, right? So he'll be able to continue to not only run the ball, but receive passes, you know, 80 receptions, over 80 receptions, three straight years. But then on top of that, now you look at Minnesota and what's going on there. And Christian Darasaw is going to be out for a little while, their Mm -hmm. offensive lineman. So I think that it's going to be a little tough for Dalvin Cook with that offensive line. So I think that I'm putting Kamara above cook at that point. Ooh. So I have it McCaffrey Kamara cook right now. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you because Kamara 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 is uh, that guy who can just explode so many different weeks. And he can, some people I have read articles where they think he is going to have a huge season this year. I mean, huge. And uh, they're talking about CMC kind of numbers. And I don't know if I'm going to go there or not, because CMC is just revolutionizing the fantasy world, in my opinion. But I can't argue with you at number two. So let's say those top three players are off the board. I'm there at number four. I am so hesitant to take a Derrick Henry in a PPR league because, what, he averages like 20 receptions a year or something like that. Uh, The rumors are that possibly, even though Derrick Henry is a machine, sometimes those machines break down, and he has not had a big breakdown yet. But, man, the workload that he's had almost every year in the NFL, dating back to his Alabama days even, you got to say those tires have got a lot of miles on them, JB. JB. Yeah, and I, more of a concern for me with Henry is we don't know what the offense is going to look like. He lost his offensive coordinator. Yeah. So the guy who's been game planning to just hand him the rock and let him go is no longer there. So we don't know what kind of offense we're going to see and what kind of changes we're going to see to that offense. They brought in another offensive weapon in Julio Jones. So that might be telling us, hey, they want to throw the ball more. You know, Tannehill's been pretty good in his time there in Tennessee. So they could throw the ball more, which... That argument to draft Henry there is, well, volume, 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 but we might not see that same volume this year. So I I wouldn't take Henry there in in the four spot myself. And if your league mates are listening, let's just say we'll draft Kenyon Drake there, right? Another (laughs) Alabama boy. (laughs) That's a good plan. That's a good strategy. So last year, I think, you know, early on in the draft, especially after talking to our guy, our friend Kevin Tompkins, I was like, okay. 
I'm going wide receiver. I'm going to blow the roof off my home league. And it worked out really well. I had the highest scoring team. And so I took wide receiver in the first round and waited around to find those running backs later on. It really worked out well last year. So if I was going with that zero RB strategy this season, or even that modified or that bolstered RB strategy, I'm sitting there looking at Devontae Adams as the number one wide receiver in the ADP, the uh, Fantasy Pros ADP, but I'm feeling really itchy and scratchy about Devontae Adams living up to any kind of number four ranking that I would put him at if I had to take him at number four, JB. I don't, I don't like Devontae Adams as much as I did last year. Yeah, I, I can't take him that high. I do still think he is wide receiver one, maybe wide receiver two. You could have that argument. But that's a guy that I would look at, you know, if I was drafting towards the end of round one and the running backs I like aren't there, or if it gets back around to me at the top of round two or something like that. I would not go as far as to take Devontae Adams with the number four pick. I could say the same thing for Travis Kelsey. A lot of people are taking Travis Kelsey in the first round, and he's got an ADP of about eight right now. So usually Mm -hmm. around the seven, eight pick is where you'll see Travis Kelsey go. But I couldn't take that plunge at four. I've done it at eight. I've done Kelsey at eight a couple of times so far this year, but I couldn't do it at four. That's way too early for me. I, I have a sure shot number four. I don't mind the four pick. It's the five where I start to get a little messed up. <laughs> well, that's only because you don't have the four pick. Because the four pick, I'm sitting here talking to myself. I'm going, all right, Derek Henry. No, I'm not happy about that one. Ezekiel Elliott, who is uh, ADP number five. Uh, no, I don't. Devontae Adams. No, Travis Kelsey. Boy, that's getting kind of reachy for Travis Kelsey, but I could see myself doing that. Saquon Barkley. No, I don't want to do that one either. I can't touch that one at number four. Then I think about Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has, uh, you know, they, they lost Williams in the offseason. And uh, I I could see him getting more receptions this year. Aaron Jones could. So I'm looking at Aaron Jones and trying not to talk myself into him because he is a Green Bay Packer. I am a Chicago Bears fan, but I know the touchdown uh, regression that is coming his way, all those different things. What about Aaron Jones, JB? Talk me out of him. I can't. I love Aaron Jones, and he's a guy who I'm targeting in the first round. But after Ezekiel Elliott, it's it's a surefire thing that, Zeke is a top four running back for me in my mind. Okay. There's there's no denying that if I had a top four pick, he'd be the target there at four if the other three were off the board. Aaron Jones is a guy who I would go to in that next group of running backs. But, I mean, Zeke's been a guy that I've been all aboard on this offseason. Uh, our friend Andrew Cooper over at Fantasy Alarm, he's been big on Zeke and banging that drum since, like, April. And he even wrote an article on Fantasy Alarm about it if you want to check that out. But, I mean, he's been really touting Zeke, and I'm all aboard with him on that. I mean, you look at look at last year, right, the first five weeks of the season, yeah. he was the RB2 in PPR. He was right behind Kamara as the RB2. Then he lost... Zach Prescott, Blake Jarwin, his right tackle, A.L. Collins, the right guard, Zach Martin, the left tackle, Tyron Smith, the backup left tackle, Cam Irving. Like, they were missing so many pieces that at that point, if you're Zeke, you're like, all right, you know, I'm going to throttle down a little bit here. And, And I think that almost helps him for this year where he's a little bit fresher now with all his pieces back, with his quarterback back, with his offensive line back. I I mean, I I feel like this is going to be a smash season for Zeke, and he could finish his RB1. You had me at Andrew Cooper, JB. You had me (laughs) at Andrew Cooper. Uh, At Coop D. Fiasco, I think, on Twitter. Great follow. Coop A. Fiasco. Coop A. Fiasco. Great, great follow. Uh, All right, so maybe Ezekiel Elliott is in the mix for me. 
PPR league, Nick Chubb, eh, eh, ah, not not really excited. Jonathan Taylor, eh, no. Tyreek Hill, that's really a reach. I have almost talked myself, though, into Austin Eckler. I wish I knew he would get the volume on a handoff, and I know he starts at number 13 for us here on the ADP chart, but I've almost talked myself into Austin Eckler because I know they're going to feed him. I really know they're going to feed him the ball throughout the air, and it's a PPR league, JP. I, 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 I really feel like I almost need a little slap in the face not to take Austin Eckler at number four. Yeah, I couldn't slap take me. him that early. Oh, <laughs> I like the scheme for him. Joe Lombardi comes over as the offensive coordinator, who was the guy who was in New Orleans with the boy we talked about, Alvin Kamara, right? So you got to love that scheme. But then also in L.A., you, you have a lot of weapons there. You know, Justin Herbert likes to throw the rock and. He's got guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams who's poised for a a big breakout season this year. So I don't know what kind of volume we'll get from Eckler, but the point with him is that you're going to get that reception out of the backfield volume there. So I do like him, you know, back end of round one, start of round two type of guy, but I couldn't go there at four. Okay. All right. Well, I got more thinking to do about that. Uh, why don't you round us? Why don't you take us through round two here, JB? Maybe uh, uh, what we've already talked about Austin Eckler a little bit. Maybe to go down there through the rest of them. Yeah. So round two is when you start hitting that next tier of running backs, and depending mm-hmm. on how you're going to draft, right? Depending on what your draft strategy is, if you're somebody who's going to go with the anchor RB strategy and you grab your running back in in round one. That's when you come around in round two, and then you could look at wide receivers that are possibly there. When you look at a guy like Stephon Diggs or DeAndre Hopkins or DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley type guys, those are four stud wide receivers that will be your wide receiver one. And if you have that anchor running back and you want to go wide receiver, you could certainly go that route there. Who do you prefer out of that group? Uh, I I can't say no to Stefan Diggs and what they started building upon last year, especially in a 17-game season. I like DeAndre Hopkins, but with the addition of A.J. Green, I wonder if there's not going to be a little touchdown regression in his future. Uh, and, and, and you mentioned D.K. Metcalf. I know that they have got a brand-new system there, and D.K. is supposed to really excel in that. D.K. has never just blown me away with his route running. With his ability to, I don't want to say grasp the offense because that's 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 a that's an insult to him. I, I don't mean it that way, but I think it's going to take a little bit for the Seattle Seahawks to adjust to a new system, especially one that's supposed to be a lot more sophisticated than what they were running before. I love Calvin Ridley. Once again, it's it's another, hey, a different season for him. He's in a different role. I know he excelled whenever Julio Jones wasn't there before, but Julio Jones isn't there at all. And that's a different situation for me. For me, I'm going to take Stefan Diggs if I'm going to feel comfortable uh, the most with all these guys. Yeah, I agree. I like Diggs there. And I've seen Diggs kind of be in that debate with who the top wide receiver is going to be this year up there with Devontae Adams, uh, Tyreek Hill. Obviously, those three are in that mix for the top wide receiver. But uh, you, you kind of had me do like one of those who faces when you told me you were afraid of DeAndre Hopkins because of A.J. Green. Well. AJ Green's 33 years old and and he's as dusty as they get. <laughs> yeah, well, and I just mean in the end zone. You know, I think DeAndre is going to want the ball in the end zone, but I'm also no AJ Green. I know his history. I know he likes to get fed the ball a little bit too. And I just mean they're comparing it to Stefan Diggs. I'd probably take I'd probably go Stefan DeAndre 
Ridley and Metcalf if I was if I had to rank those four players. Okay. All right. That's, now let's say that you you didn't take a, a running back in round one. Or if you did take a running back in round one, but you believe in the, hey, let's double up at running back, lock up that position. Yes. There's depth at wide receiver, which I find myself doing a lot of the times, especially this year. I do think wide receiver is fairly deep this year. There is that nice top tier or, or first and second tier, let's call it. But then there are some good value players a little bit later. So I do find myself doubling up at running back sometimes. Mm-hmm. So if you do decide to go that route, that's where in the second round you're looking at guys like Antonio Gibson, who I think is poised for a breakout season, and a lot of people are talking him up. You got the rookie Najee Harris, who's coming into a good situation in Pittsburgh, looking like he's going to be a three-down back there. Then you got guys like Joe Mixon and Clyde Edwards-Elair that people are a little worried about there. So out of that group of four, how do you rank them? Out of that group of four? Okay, let's just cross people off the list, first of all. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know how I think about him. I had him as a bust last year, and that that's what I feel like ended up happening, especially as ADP where he was going in the first round. I like it better that it's at the end of the round two right now, but I still, I've never been blown away by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's um, his athleticism. I, I've never been blown away by that. Joe Mixon, I've been burned too many times, so I can't take Joe Mixon. I understand. No more Geo. I understand. I get it. I don't think that offense is going to be as as explosive as people think. I think it's going to be more volatile is what I believe. I think that they they may not make it to the end zone a whole lot. And Joe Burrow's got a lot of mental hurdles to get through. And speaking of hurdling, that gets to my guy, Najee Harris, JB. I <laughs> love me some Najee Harris. And I love what I saw in the preseason of how much work he got through the air. I think about Pittsburgh's past and how they ran uh, Le'Veon Bell into the ground Every single game, they passed it to him. They gave him so much volume, and I think that's what they see in Najee Harris. At least that's what I saw in the preseason. It just reminded me of Le'Veon Bell's usage. And I know Najee, this is what I always think about Najee Harris, is that he's a mini Derrick Henry. I didn't say he was Derrick Henry. I said he's a mini version of Derrick Henry. He's not as strong. He may not be as fast. He's somewhere in that neighborhood, though. But I love his toughness. I love what his desire to get to the end zone is. And I, I, I like him a lot. As It's a toss-up between him and Antonio Gibson because Antonio Gibson blows my mind whenever I think about the possibilities that he has in a Ron Rivera system to be Christian McCaffrey-like. But they have to trust him through the air. And I don't know that Ryan Fitzpatrick has ever been one of those quarterbacks that just feed his running backs over and over and over again like we would need to see to get that Christian McCaffrey volume. So I would probably go Najee, Antonio, and then I wouldn't even draft the other two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you share that mindset with a lot of people that have been burned by Mixon too many times and just don't know what to expect from CEH, right? So it does come down to Gibson and and your boy over there, Najee Harris. So I, I think that I slightly lean Gibson just because of the upside that he gives you. You know, if you're coming into this is okay, this is going to be my RB2, right? So you already drafted, let's say, Zeke or, or Jonathan Taylor or Nick Chubb or somebody in the first round, right? And now this is your RB2. I'm going to shoot for some upside here and go with a guy like Gibson who has that capability to be a Christian McCaffrey light, right? So, yep. you know, he barely was a runner in college. He had 33 total carries in college or something like that. So last year, they kind of eased him in a little bit, and you didn't see him break out until towards the end. And I think that now with a full off season and a, and a year in the system, 
I think we actually see them unleash him a little bit this year. I do love the the volume that Harris is going to get, but you can make the same type of argument that, yeah, he'll be used in the passing game too, but Big Ben's going to be looking towards those trio of receivers he has also. So I think it's pretty close between the two, but I'm going to lean Gibson for the upside. Okay. Let me ask you this. Here in round number two, Patrick Mahomes is sitting there at 18. 18. And and also we've got a Darren Waller at 22. Do you ever take a quarterback in round two? I know we, you and I have always talked about in the past of wanting one of those big four or five quarterbacks that have got the mobility side of things. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have that great of mobility, but man, he makes up for it in his passing volume in one of the most prolific offenses that there is in the NFL. Uh, do you ever reach up or, or go ahead and just take a Patrick Mahomes in round two or even a Darren Waller right here at the end of round two? Because you know he's not going to make it too far into round three. Yeah, so as far as Mahomes goes, you'll never catch me in a single quarterback league drafting Mahomes in the second round. As great as he is, you're passing up on too much too much value at other positions. I like about seven quarterbacks this year, maybe eight. So when you get outside that eight is when I start to worry. But I'm not going to reach up and pay a second-round price for Pat Mahomes when I can get a, a, a quarterback that I like almost as much many rounds later. As far as Waller goes, if I'm at the end of round two, I might think about that because he's giving you a positional advantage at the tight end position. There's only three tight ends that are in that top tier of tight ends. Then there's another, call it two or three tight ends that are in that next tier. And then it's just that bunch of three for 32 guys, right? The guys that go Mm -hmm. three for 32 and maybe they score a touchdown. So I do like this year to grab one of those top tier tight ends. If you don't get one of those top tier tight ends, then you end up going, you know, yin and yang later in the draft. But I would consider Waller in the second round because I think that he has a similar path to targets as Kelsey does with the young wide receiver core that's pretty unproven and an offense is pretty much going to be centered around him in the passing game. So I do like the volume he's going to get and it gives you that positional advantage at tight end. So I'd consider him at the end of round two for sure. Yeah. You mentioned positional advantage, and I think what you're saying with Mahomes is his points over the next guys during the week as far as quarterback goes. He's not going to be that much higher than those other guys if he's higher at all. How how much do you look for to get out of your quarterback position each week in a redraft league? Yeah, it's going to depend on your league settings, right? Some leagues are four points per passing touchdown, some are six. But, you know, generally speaking, you want to be close to the 30 range out of your top tier quarterback, right? So if you look at a guy like Mahomes in the second round versus, uh, let's call it a a Russell Wilson in the sixth or seventh round, right? What's how big of a difference is there between Mahomes and Wilson or Mahomes and Herbert or Mahomes and Brady that you're going to get so many rounds later? You look at that versus the difference you're going to get from Waller to Mike Gesicki or from Waller to Tyler Higby. And that's a much bigger difference there and an advantage that you're getting in Waller at tight end than you are with Mahomes at quarterback. Yeah, like at quarterback, uh, Russell Wilson may outscore a Patrick Mahomes one week, but there's very rarely going to be that time when Jasicki outscores Waller, right? And, and you can almost pencil in Waller each and every week for that 14 points somewhere in that neighborhood. I think that's probably his uh, ceiling most weeks. And and like you said, 30 points for a quarterback is right there at it. But man, 
Mahomes could be three or four under that, while Russell Wilson might be three or four above that. So I love what you said there because I actually wrote it down before you even said it to ask you that. And so we're thinking along the same lines, JB. That's wonderful. What do you think about Justin Jefferson this year? He rounds out that number 24. He's a very good pick there at the end of round two, at the beginning of round three, isn't he? I love what we saw in Justin Jefferson last year, but I'm Mm -hmm. a little off Justin Jefferson this year. Part of it is because of the price tag we have to pay for him, right? You just said that he has an ADP at the end of round two. That's too expensive for me on a second-year wide receiver who has already sprained his AC joint, and that's something that can linger and continue to affect him during the season. I also think, and I made a, a post on Twitter today with my bold predictions, I think Adam Thielen is going to outproduce Justin Jefferson and just be a better value that you can get several rounds later in the draft. So I find myself going in a different direction than Jefferson and then coming back and grabbing Thielen later. I have, uh, I think I looked at it before, like 23 or 26% Adam Thielen across my rosters right now. So I just like the discount I get from Thielen, who I think can outproduce Jefferson. I think that that's a great point. I don't, I, I, it's a, it's a coin flip for me between Jefferson and Thielen. It really is because I think Thielen a lot of times plays through a lot of injuries. I have to see Justin Jefferson do that in order to believe that he's going to be able to do that with his shoulder this year. AJ Brown is another big question mark in a lot of people's minds because Julio Jones is there. I think, I think Julio's getting older. Julio's getting a little tired. AJ Brown is young and just, just full of energy. JB, I don't mind A.J. Brown. I think I've seen many times where people take A.J. Brown as even the number one wide receiver by season's end. I I don't know that I can get on that train, but I really like A.J. Brown this year. Yeah, I do, too. I mean, he's great with yards per target. You know, his first two seasons, I think he's like first all time in history in yards per target. I mean, he the guy and once he gets the ball in space, forget about it. He's he's gone. I mean. He's a big dude who's fast. He's got all the tools that you want in a stud wide receiver. So he's a guy who I do like. I don't have as many shares as I'd like to have of him. I I would, you know, I'll probably be targeting him a little bit in these next couple of drafts that I have. But he is a guy that I can see easily finishing as a top five wide receiver. This is crazy, this round. You know, it is just looking at it because you got George Kittle mixed in there between those couple of guys that we talked about. And we have got uh, all the rest of them seem to be wide receivers except for a couple of running backs. So I'm going to ask you the same questions you asked me. David Montgomery, Chris Carson, DeAndre Swift, and Josh Jacobs here uh, between numbers pick number 24 and pick number 36. Which one of those running backs are you looking for? And if you had to reach for one, which one do you think you would reach for? I'm big on Chris Carson. I've been a Chris Carson guy for years now. I I just love what he brings to the table. He's a a guy who doesn't have much competition in that backfield there. So I do like what I get out of him. And I think that he's a guy who I have been targeting and I do have a lot of. So out of that group, he's probably my preferred target there. Um, I do think that David Montgomery is being a little underdrafted. You know, people are kind of poo-pooing the end of his season last year because of the schedule that he had. But schedule is not that much harder this year. And I think he showed that if he's healthy, he can be a good running back. I don't love DeAndre Swift. I think that I'm a little worried with, you know, the news that he might not be ready for week one and he still has that ling- lingering injury. Um, they talk about Jamal Williams getting 
more work than a DeAndre Swift manager would like to hear Jamal Williams is going to get, right? But he's been falling to the fourth round of drafts lately. And if I can get DeAndre Swift in the fourth round, I think I have to jump on that just for the value there of a guy who has potential, who has the tools. And as far as Josh Jacobs goes, I know you like Josh Jacobs. He's an Alabama guy. They brought in Kenyon Drake this year, which was a little questionable. It was it was a little bit of a head scratcher because mm-hmm. Jacobs quietly has been good. I mean, people like to hate on Jacobs. And I wrote an article on Rasball about these split backfields and who I'd prefer in those. And as I was writing that article, Wes, I convinced myself to like Josh Jacobs. Like, okay. I, w- I was never really a Josh Jacobs guy. But as I was writing it and looking at, okay, well, he had a rookie year where he had 1,150 yards, right? He was over 1,000 yards last year, double-digit touchdowns. The Raiders had the six most rushing touchdowns as a team last season. Mm-hmm. We know John Gruden likes to run the ball, right? Josh Jacobs finished last season with the third most rushing attempts and the eighth most rushing yards in the league. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that point to, wow, okay, so he gets the ball. Now they brought in Drake, so it's like, ah, I don't know. Drake was pretty efficient in the red zone, and, you know, maybe it was because uh, Jake, the knock on Jacobs (laughs) is that he's not an efficient runner, right? But neither is Drake. Neither one of them get a lot of yards per attempt. They're both right around four yards per attempt. So I like Jacobs. If he falls to me in the fourth, I'll take him. In the third, I don't know if I'd pay that high for him. I, I heard you talking about Jacobs, and, and there was a lot of I don't understand why they did the Drake thing. I uh, you know, I heard those things. I heard those things out of you, and that's exactly the way I am too. When I sit there and I look at this, because I don't know what to think about Josh Jacobs. I don't like the front office of. Uh, the Raiders. I don't. I don't know what they're doing. I. I don't know that they know what they're doing. If it, the, they still haven't signed Waller, have they? Have I missed that news? Like um, signed him. I, I haven't. Don't I know. I don't think they have. I. I really don't think they have. And I'm. I don't know. Understand why you don't? Because just like we talked about, it's hard to find a Waller. But it was just as hard to find a Mac that they traded to Chicago that they tried to get back in the offseason. I don't know what they're doing, JB. I don't know what they're doing. So I'm a little bit wishy-washy on Josh Jacobs by himself, but I don't mind him in the fourth round. Third round, I'm really kind of scratching my head. This is Well, here's lo- where I yeah, uh-huh. where I end up landing on Jacobs is like, all right, I'll take him after Carson, Montgomery, and Swift are off the board, and I'll take him before Gaskin and and Mike Davis type guys are are coming off the board. So like, that's kind of the answer I'll give on that. But then I'll feel the same thing. If you're landing Drake in the ninth round, I'll take them too. So, you know, (laughs) I'll take either of them at value, but I don't think I'll take both and I wouldn't pay a premium for either of them. All right, here we go. This is the loaded question because we all know that you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. All right. And we know you're lovely. We know you got a big poster over your bed. of Mike Evans. Okay. That's (laughs) Uh, Mike Evans or cd lamb this year this has been so hard for me this whole offseason to not play up mike evans because i've spent the last seven years of my life (laughs) talking about how great mike evans is and i love mike evans mike evans is you know as inconsistent as he is week to week he's as consistent as they get with his seven straight 1000 yard seasons right but now they have a full year of having antonio brown there which means that not only does Antonio take more targets away, but it also means that Chris Godwin gets to play in the slot more. And Chris Godwin in the slot with Tom Brady is going to equal more targets for him also. 
So I think both of those things add to negatives for Mike Evans. And I've moved Mike Evans down not only below uh, Chris Godwin, but also below C.D. Lamb. I, that moment of silence was me being stunned, JB. I'd, so so you'd rather have C.D. Lamb over Mike Evans. C.D. Lamb or Allen Robinson, who is going one position above him here on the Fantasy Pros uh, ADP at number 31 is Allen Robinson. C.D. Lamb or Allen Robinson? I'd still go C.D. Lamb. Me too. I agree with you there. Allen Ro- uh, C.D. Lamb or Terry McLaurin, who comes in at number 29? I think I'm wrong on this. Let me preface by saying that. I think I'm wrong because okay. I've just been I've been missing the boat on Terry McLaurin. And I okay. know a lot of smart people that I respect in this industry are very high on Terry McLaurin. But for some reason, I'm not, Wes. He just doesn't do it for me. I know that he's playing with his best quarterback now with Fitzpatrick getting mm. to throw the rock. And, mm. you know, he's shown his explosiveness. And he very well could be a good receiver. He just for some reason doesn't do it for me. So I still have Lamb over McLaurin. Yeah, well, I, I can understand that. And I like the C.D. Lamb pick. It makes me a little bit sketchy. C.D. Lamb comes in at 32 with uh, Dak Prescott being a little bit injured. I wonder how that's going to affect things. I do like Terry McLaurin. It, it's it's a coin toss because I don't trust Ryan. As much as I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm not sure that I trust him uh, as much as I trust Dak Prescott to get the ball into C.D. Lamb's hands. All right. So you, you said who there? You said C.D. Lamb, right? Yep. Okay, C.D. Lamb at number 32, or let's go to Keenan Allen. Will Keenan Allen keep his draft position at 27, or do you move C.D. Lamb above him? No, that's where I'll go Keenan Allen there. Sorry, C.D., but I will go Keenan Allen there. I love Justin Herbert. I love the Chargers this year. My first article for Aaron Torres was talking about how the Chargers would be my best bet this year to make the playoffs at plus 105 odds. And their over-under on win totals is only nine and a half wins. So I think they get to double digits easy. I really like this Chargers team, and I think Keenan Allen's going to be a big part of that. Do you take George Kittle over any of those guys you preferred here in the third round? Yes, because that's the last of that top tier of tight end. So if I didn't get one of the other two, that's when I will consider a Kittle, because after that, I am almost punting the position, depending on if I get value on that next tier. If you are up here at the top of round three, let's just say the you know first six picks in round three, are you taking a Josh Allen there or or because, you know, he's not rolling back around to you. So are you going to go ahead and grab a Josh Allen? Yeah, I'm probably not. I'm I'm not going to okay. draft a quarterback until I see at least three or four off the board. Because like I said, there's seven or eight that I like. So once three or four go, that's when I'll jump at one of my others so I don't miss the boat. I agree with you. I, I like that. Here's a guy, JB. Miles Sanders. He's at the beginning of round four. I pass him up every single time. Round, round four here, th- picks what, 37 through 48? I, I don't love I don't love this, and it's a very strange little round for me. I guess four, five, and six are all kind of strange for me. I'm I'm looking to see who's fallen and, and stuff like that. I, there's nobody that I'm just really, really excited about in here. Is there anybody you're really excited about in round four? So this is the round where you start to have to depend on how you've built your roster for your first three rounds, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to look at it like if you're Kevin Tompkins and you went zero RB for the first three rounds, That's when you start going, all right, you know, I might need a running back there. But then you look at guys like Miles Sanders, James Robinson, uh, Miles Gaskin, and it's like, yee, maybe I don't go running back (laughs) here, right? Uh So, like, Miles Sanders is a guy who I have on my dynasty roster, and I've been trying to be high on, 
And now encouraging news for him is that they only kept three running backs on that team. And Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell are the other two. So I don't think either of them threatened Sanders for the early down work or for the goal line work. So I do think that he can be productive and be of value as a fourth round draft pick there. But other than that, no, I wouldn't say, I mean, Robinson now with Etienne out is going to have that volume. He was everyone's darling last year. So I would consider him there. But I don't love a Miles Gaskin. You know, you look at some of these wide receivers here, guys like Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett. I do like Lockett, but like the rest of those guys, I'm not excited about. The only one that I could look at in this round, in this current ADP that we're looking at, and say really excites me is Chris Godwin. Okay. Well, I, that's that's a given, JP. See, I, I'm kind of the opposite. Uh, Robert Woods is one of those guys who week in, uh, week in, week out, year in and year out, you always look up at the end of the year and you're like, wow, Robert Woods did it again. But I'm never like at the beginning of the year going, oh, I got to get me a Robert Woods, you know? I, I But he's consistent. He's 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 there. I don't know if I want him as a, as a wide receiver one. I'm not sure if I really love him as a wide receiver two, but I, surely I, he's a great wide receiver three. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you already are building a team that's wide receiver heavy, I would even consider him a wide receiver, too, because he is that consistent wide receiver like you talked about. Right, right. Uh, who would you rather have him or his uh, teammate Cooper Cup this year? That's that a matter. debate. That's a debate. And and I think I'd lean Woods only because I think he's more versatile in what he could do. He can go down the field. He can go across the middle. And I think he's going to have a good connection with Matthew Stafford this year. Now, here's where I started going crazy uh, earlier. I know it's a short trip there, but I started going, would I ever pick two wide receivers from the same team? You know, because now we're getting into that area. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Robert, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, D.K., and, and of course, uh, Tyler Lockett, uh, Adam Thielen, and even Justin Jefferson. Would you ever pick two wide receivers from the same team? Because at the end of the year, both of them produce so to speak. Right. And you're spending too high of a draft capital with all those guys, that, all those pairings that you named for me to be able to do that. So okay. I wouldn't spend up for that pairing, but I would draft two wide receivers on the same team if it's, say, Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, or if it's Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. If it's guys that you can get later, that could be a wide receiver too with the guy that you pay a third or a fourth round price for as a wide receiver one. All right. Now we have two quarterbacks here in this little range, JP. Two quarterbacks, Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Which one do you prefer this year? I'm going to tell you, I, I, I prefer Kyler Murray again. And the reason why is because all of Lamar Jackson's weapons, when he goes to look at them or fire for them, they're empty. There's not a lot of players left for Lamar Jackson to be able to lean upon. I, I think Mark Andrews, this sets up wonderfully for him, but I've never seen Mark Andrews... I, I wish Mark Andrews had complimentary players around him better. I think he performs better, of course, just like everybody else does, as having more weapons that people have to worry about. Mark Andrews as the number one target, I, I don't like him nearly as much as the possibility to be a number one target uh, week in and week out. So I like Kyler Murray this year a little bit better just because I think that he has more weapons. Yeah, and I agree with you on that, and I do think that Kyler does take a step forward this year, and I think that Lamar wants to, but you think about it too, Lamar just lost his top running back, right? They just lost J.K. Dobbins, mm -hmm. so yep. Lamar's going to have to run where he was hopefully not going to have to run as much this year, right? So not only are his wide receivers all banged up, but he just lost his running back. He, 
he's old Mother Hubbard and only Andrew's <laughs> in the cupboard, right? That's <laughs> true. That's true. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. But don't forget about Gus Edwards. That was my guy last year. I, 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 I wish he was still going down there at the bottom of the drafts like he was at the beginning, of, you know, like, a, like two weeks ago. But now he's shot way up here. Hey, another question. Kyle Pitts, he's on everybody's mind. I know that we talk about those top, you know, top tier tight ends there, one, two, and three. Then you got these guys, you know, the France, the Andrews, and then the maybe the Kyle Pitts, the Hawkinsons. Does Pitts belong in that little second tier group? Yeah, I think Pitts does. I don't think that Fant does. So I have that next tier of tight ends as Pitts, Andrews, and Hawkinson. And those are the last of the tight ends that I think can have elite upside on their own. So that's where I draw the line in drafting tight ends. If I don't get one of those top six, forget about it. I'm waiting until round 10. So I would put Pitts there because of the opportunity. They're going to be playing him all over the field. He's going to be split out as a wide receiver a lot of the time, especially you talked about Julio leaving and it just really being Ridley out there. So they're going to use him in a lot of different creative ways. And and he's an enormous athlete. So I do think he has a ton of upside there and has that elite potential. I'm looking for booms in this area, JB. It's starting to get boom area for me. Do you see any player here between 37 and 49 on our Fantasy Pros chart that is a boom player? Yeah, and when I look at a boom player, I look at guys that can finish top five in their position, right? So you look at Kyler Murray, Mm -hmm. who could be a top five quarterback. You look at Chris Godwin, who I think can be a top five receiver. And then you look at Kyle Pitts, who can be a top five tight end. Those are my boom guys. What about a bust? Julio Jones for his injury risk. Amari Cooper for his injury risk. Hey, 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 hey. Easy, man. You're picking all all the Alabama guys. (laughs) Well, my fear with Cooper is that CD is going to end up establishing himself as the alpha there. And if that happens, then Cooper gets relegated to a secondary role. Add to that his propensity for injuries that are already lingering. And he certainly can be a bus candidate if you're picking him in the fourth round. No, Amari Cooper does not get relegated to a secondary role. Amari Cooper, if he's no longer the man there, gets relegated to carrying a clipboard because he's going to refuse to play. Okay, that's Amari (laughs) Cooper's history. I'm sorry. Look at what happened with the Raiders. See, that's why he was always injured was because he was like, forget it, man. Y'all don't want to throw me the ball. I ain't going to go out there. That's that's just that's just what I've seen from Amari Cooper. So you might be right. Amari Cooper might be a bust there. Uh, and, And he was one of those guys, too, at Alabama. Who, who I'm just saying, if things didn't go his way, he, he you found, you saw him on the sideline, just kind of standing by himself, pouting a little bit. And I think our guy, John Frisella, would say, you can't change somebody who does something like that. So uh, that's what Amari Cooper reminds me of. Any more busts yeah. in there, or was that good? No, just another boom is Adam Thielen with that potential to be the top wide receiver there in Minnesota. So he's a guy that I look at as a value there in that fourth, fifth round range. Boy, oh boy, the, the conductor of the Adam Thielen train is J.B. Barry. You can find him at Fantasy Coach J.B. He'll link up all his articles over there from AaronTorresOnline.com, from Razzball. He'll just link them all up over there, and I'm sure you will have a good time following J.B. Barry. You can also follow me on Twitter at Loafin' It. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. We ask that you subscribe, not only to this program, but the other programs that are there on the Fantasy Impact Today network. Make sure you leave a review. Reviews are important. We would love to hear from you. Any questions, comments, or concerns, you can get a hold of us that way. J.B., what, what, what round are we in? 
I don't know. I was just wondering that too. And now I'm looking at it like, all right. So now we'll call this West. We'll call this the middle rounds of our okay, draft, right? Because middle rounds. Because now I know, you know, people are are starting to say, all right, let's go, guys. I'm I'm getting into my draft time. We got to start talking about some of these guys that are not obvious. So let's mm-hmm. call it as we're getting into the middle rounds of our draft, West. And now you're looking at running backs who are starting to be a little bit off-putting, right? You're looking at Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt, Daryl Henderson, Chase Edmonds. You're looking at guys like that that's pretty much the last of the starting running backs that you can kind of look at and put into your lineup with confidence. And then even Kareem Hunt, who's not, quote-unquote, a starting running back. Mm -hmm. But then you're looking at the wide receivers that are kind of lead receivers, but you're not really confident drafting them as a wide receiver one when you look at guys like Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk. But then this is also the rounds in the middle where you go, okay, now it's time to look at quarterback, right? Because we've already named four quarterbacks. So let's say those four quarterbacks are all off the board. Now you have to start thinking about, okay, am I I going quarterback here? Because now we have Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Those are guys going in this range, Justin Herbert even. So now do you start saying, all right, this is where I have to attack quarterback. So now if you're in the middle rounds of your draft, Wes, and let's say that you've drafted a couple wide receivers, a couple of running backs already. Are you looking towards quarterback here or are you looking to fill out some of those other positions with the guys we named? Yeah, it's hard for me to let Justin Herbert escape my grasp at this point, right? And I think I'm going to probably take him over a Dak Prescott and even a Russell Wilson. I I, I am still flip-flopping. I have until Sunday to be able to decide this between a Justin Herbert or a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. I like Aaron Rodgers' potential. But I also know that he's got a really tough schedule, and I don't know if he's going to be salty this year, which may be a salty good, or he may be end up being a salty bad. Is he going to be salty good and take it out on the rest of the league, or is it going to be salty bad and he takes it out on the Green Bay Packers? I don't know. I know he's in his last dance with Devontae Adams. So if I get end up with Devontae Adams at number four, I may end up taking Aaron Rodgers here at this point because I don't mind pairing them up in case it's salty good because those two together are are unbeatable in my book when it comes to the, the fantasy draft. And if if they're salty bad, then I'll just go down in flames and laugh about it, okay? So I, it's kind of a hedging my bet whenever I'm talking about Green Bay Packers doing bad, all right? That's what I'm doing right there, <laughs> so Well, you I'm, make I'm, a great point, though, because you talk about how you've built your roster before, right? So if you said you drafted... Adams, then you might think about Rogers. Well, if you drafted Metcalf or Lockett, you might think about Wilson. If you drafted Keenan Allen, you might think about Herbert. If you drafted, uh, you know, Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, you might wait and say, hey, I'll draft Tom Brady in the next round, right? So do you like stacking in redraft leagues? So when you look at stack, you think about three players, right? It's either a quarterback, two wide receivers, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end. I don't consider a stack a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a running back, or just a quarterback and a wide receiver. So I will pair a quarterback and a wide receiver in redraft leagues. It's more of a DFS thing, but Uh hey, if I'm going in redraft and, and I have a top wide receiver and I expect them to do well, that means the quarterback's probably going to do well too. So I'm not going to overdraft someone for that pairing, but I will draft the quarterback for that pairing thinking, hey, you know, if one does well, the other one's going to do well, too. I agree with you. And I don't care about the bye week stuff. 
All right. I, I, if I have to lose one week in order to have a great season, so be it. And I'll try to patch some things together on that bye week. But I'm not going to be too overly concerned with a bye week because let's just say all my players are on a bye week all in the same week. Well, I got a week off and, and probably need a break at that point anyway during the fantasy football season. So I may just end up taking a week off of fantasy football and allow my opponent to win. But you know what else, JB? The rest of the year, I don't have to worry about it. So I'm not too concerned about bye weeks. Yep. And that's one strategy that's interesting. And Scott Fishbowl, one of my Rasball colleagues, talked about it. After they drafted like six or seven rounds, they realized like three or four of their stud players had week seven buys. So at that point, they were like, you know what? I'm just going to punt week seven and I'm going to grab a bunch of guys with week seven buys. And like you said, hey, I'll lose that week, but I'll dominate the rest of them. That's right. And running backs here. I love getting Mike Davis here. We talk about bell cows. We want bell yes. cow running backs, people that can, are going to just take the load and, and nobody else. His quarterback isn't going to run the ball. Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley. Nobody else is going to run the ball in Atlanta. I know they got the rookie running back, Ozeo, whatever his name is, but I'm not worried about that. Mike Davis, that's his backfield and he can catch the ball. He can run the ball. And even in Atlanta, I'll just say it. He might throw the ball. <laughs> I love Mike Davis. I have a lot of Mike Davis myself, so I love to hear you say that. I don't know if you heard me when you no. said that. I was like, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I do like Mike Davis a lot, and for that reason, he's the guy there. You know, whether whether you think he's great or not, he showed that he could be a lead back last year in Carolina, and he's going to be the guy there. He's going to be the guy who's who's catching passes, who's getting the bulk of the carries, so he's absolutely going to be the guy there. I have... Let's see. I have nine shares of Mike Davis across 18, <laughs> uh, across 22 leagues. So 41% rostership of Mike Davis. He's one of my highest rostered players. Daryl Henderson. I wish they didn't. I wish they didn't get anybody else that came in there. You know, Sony Michelle came in there. I wish they didn't have that. But now I know how the Rams backfield works. And I know from the past, it seems like they share a lot of carries, especially after Todd Gurley's huge season. It seems like they've just shared carries. Javante Williams, I love his potential. I love what he has to offer. But Melvin Gordon is still running with a purpose. I don't know if he hears a little clock ticking in the back of his head with the league breathing down his neck for his uh, off-the-field issues that transpired, uh, I think, last offseason. I don't know if he hears that and he knows his time is ticking, so he's giving it all he got. But he runs with a purpose. And Chase Edmonds? I think I would rather have Chase Edmonds out of Javante Williams or Daryl Henderson, JB. Um, I like Henderson and Sonny Michelle doesn't scare me as much because I know that that system likes to have two backs. And I do think Henderson's still going to be the lead dog there. Sonny Michelle is, has had injury issues and I don't know how he holds up. I think he was more of an insurance policy because Henderson also gets banged up. So I do have 23% Henderson. I also have 18% Javante Williams. And you make a good point that I don't think he leads that backfield right off the bat because Melvin Gordon's still showing he has a little bit of juice in the tank. But I do think that as they get further along the season, they're going to realize, all right, you know, this is great. This is nice and all. But Javante's our guy. He's our running back of the future. And they're going to turn the reins over to him. So I do think that by the second half of the year, he takes over that backfield and he can be a league winner. Do you agree with me that Kareem Hunt is below all those other running backs? To me, Kareem Hunt is great in my flex spot. And I think he does really well as a complimentary back to Nick Chubb. But last year, when Nick Chubb was hurt, 
I, I had a lot of Kareem Hunt shares because he's always down here, and I don't mind picking up a flex running back at this point because usually I've built a pretty strong wide receiving roster right now, so I'm kind of able to look for those running backs, and, and I think I usually take them back-to-back right here in this area of the draft. But Kareem Hunt, when when Chubb was out, he didn't he didn't produce as well. I do want to say that those were a lot of weather games that he had to run in, but he just didn't wow me whenever Nick Chubb wasn't in there. Yeah, and they talk about him having a bigger role this year also than he's had in previous roles where they were both healthy. But again, a guy that just doesn't excite me that much. I, yep. I think that he can be good as a complimentary piece with Chubb. And obviously we've seen where, you know, Chubb will rip off a big run and then Hunt will come in and then Hunt will rip off a big run for the touchdown. And it's like, oh, man, you know, my guy Chubb earned that and then Hunt got the touchdown. So He's going to do that, and he's going to continue to do that. But he's just not a guy that I'm targeting in my drafts. There's a lot of wide receivers in this area. There's a lot of wide receivers. So I'm, can we play that game again where I start at the bottom and work my way up? Because I, I want to know where you bounce these wide receivers to in the ranks, okay? So I'm going to okay. go all the way down to Kenny Galladay at 69. All right, Kenny Galladay's at 69. Nice. And we'll just go, that's a nice draft pick, right? I mean, that, 69, that, that's a lot of value for Kenny Galladay possibly, right? Yeah, it definitely could be if he's healthy, for sure. That's the guy who we were drafting in the second round a couple of years ago, right? Yes, yes. And and I don't think Daniel Jones is – I don't think that he can – he would really have to throw the ball out of the a giant stadium in order for Kenny Galladay not to go up there and get it. And that seemed to be what Kenny Galladay always excelled at. But Galladay or Chase, Jamar Chase, the new, the new wide receiver there in Cincinnati. It's Galladay for me. I'm worried about Hands Chase down. a little bit. Yeah, hands down. Uh, me too. I, I I don't know that I'm comfortable in taking any Jamar Chase. Galladay or Chase Claypool? I think I'm going to give the edge to Claypool. Really? Yeah. I, I think he can break out this year. I think he has that alpha potential that he could take over that lead role in Pittsburgh, and Ben's just going to be chucking it up to him. And I think he's a playmaker, and he could do something with it. But wait a minute. Deontay Johnson is being drafted up here at the end of whatever the fourth round, I guess it is, or at the beginning of round number five. Deontay Johnson is up there at 51. So you like Claypool better than Deontay Johnson? I like Claypool better than Kenny Galladay. Okay. <laughs> so would you pass up Deontay Johnson and just wait around for Claypool? No. In a PPR, I do still like Deontay Johnson. I do okay. think that he is still going to be a good PPR wide receiver, whereas Claypool is going to be that big play playmaker type wide receiver. <laughs> it was funny in the preseason game. I think the first pass went to Deontay Johnson from uh, from Big Ben, and everybody's like, I told you he was the number one receiver. I told you. <laughs> 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 All right. So uh, Chase Claypool or Juju? Claypool. Juju, it, I have fallen way down this year. Isn't it crazy that all three of them, though, are right here in the same little range, and yet Big Ben Roethlisberger is not even drafted uh, in some leagues. In some yep. leagues, he's not drafted. <laughs> yep, isn't it crazy? It doesn't add up at all. All right, Juju, or no, Chase or Odell? Claypool. Claypool, okay. Claypool or T. Higgins? T. Higgins. Very oh. high on T. Higgins. Okay. All right. T. Higgins or let's see, we've got to go up to Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco. I like both of these guys, but I'm going to take Higgins because I think that he has a, a higher propensity for big plays. 
I do too. I, the, it's it's Brandon Ayuk never excites me because whenever I see him get the ball, I'm like, he's already four yards behind the line of scrimmage. You know what I mean? Yep. Or or something like that. So I want and it's probably old school Wes and old school wide receiver thoughts that he has to be downfield in order for a wide receiver to make any production at all on the football field. I don't know how they do it in San Francisco. I just don't know how they do it. All right, so uh, we got a T Higgins then, right? Or yep. a uh, let's see, DJ Moore. I think, ah, all right, so I'm still going to take T. Higgins here, and it's for the same reason that I'm not drafting Justin Jefferson is because I want Robbie Anderson later. So I can't take D.J. Moore here and then Robbie Anderson later. Is D.J. Moore, though, a bad pick? Let's say you went running back heavy, then you got a tight end, then maybe you even said, "Uh uh-oh, I'm running out of uh, quarterbacks. Would you be happy as D.J. Moore is your wide receiver one? I would. Uh, I wouldn't be happy with him as my wide receiver one, <laughs> but I'd be okay with him as my wide receiver one. <laughs> okay. You're not going to wait around for those other guys to be your wide receiver one. Exactly. Those are the last guys. DJ Moore, T. Higgins are the last guy that I would say, okay, I'm, I'm, I could deal with them as my wide receiver one. Yeah, if you haven't picked a wide receiver at this point in the draft, which may possibly be, every draft's a little bit different. You got to go to your draft room, right? Yeah, whatever your draft room is kind of indi- indicating for you, that's that's the direction you need to go. Uh, do you do you need to zig while other people are zagging, JB, or do you just need to be very comfortable with who you know is coming up on the draft board? Yeah, you got to be fluid in your draft room, right? You got to read the draft room and see, you know, what the guys behind you or the guys that are picking in between your picks are, are going to be looking for and kind of try to assume that. And you can't really go in with a set plan. Okay, I'm going to go running back here, then wide receiver the next round, then running back the third round, because you never know what sort of value is going to fall to you. So you always got to stay fluid in the draft room and just kind of play the room as it comes to you. You could be wrong. You know, I was just doing a home league the other day where we didn't have a quarterback yet. And one out of the five teams behind us didn't have a quarterback yet. So we said, all right, let's grab the running back and hope they don't take Tom Brady. And sure enough, they took Tom Brady and we got relegated to uh, Joe Burrow. But, you know, it it bites you sometimes. But those are the games you got to play in the draft room. That person giggled when they got Tom Brady because they knew you wanted Tom Brady, JB. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Would you rather have then at this spot right here, Deontay Johnson or DJ Moore? And if you say anything other than Deontay Johnson, I will tell you, you are wrong. Yeah, it'll be Deontay Johnson, but I would prefer him as my wide receiver two than my wide receiver one, right? So if I don't have a wide receiver yet, I'm taking DJ Moore. If I do have a wide receiver already, then I'm taking Deontay. Oh, and then you're going to probably try to follow it up with a Chase Claypool if you uh, uh, if you weren't if you didn't want Deontay Johnson right there, exactly. just so you can get other value. Okay, I got you. I feel you now. I feel you. <laughs> here, here to me, JB is one of the best fantasy draft board pieces that I have seen yet. Raheem Mostart at number 70. I know there's a tracer. I I get it. I know what they have in San Francisco. I know they can pick anybody up off the street and put them in there at running back and they'd be able to produce. But Mostart, whenever he has a chance to play, he is just fantastic, JB. He is. He's exciting. He's explosive. But he's also only played 31 games in the past three seasons. Right. So the 49ers know that they can't rely on him in a long season. So they're going to have Sermon involved. They're going to have everybody involved. You know, that backfield scares me so much that I haven't (laughs) been drafting Raheem Mostert. And I think that it's largely not because of Raheem Mostert, but more so because of the team he plays on. So I'm afraid that he's not going to get the volume that I want in that position. 
this is where the running back dead zone kind of starts for me. <laughs> I like Damian Harris in this range. Your boy Gus Edwards has climbed up into this range. But this is kind of where the running back dead zone starts for me, where I'm going to say, ah, you know what, let me start hammering wide receivers here. I can understand that. And this is the great area of the draft, even the round before there, was really starting hammering wide receiver. A lot of times in the past, we've looked at uh, you know making sure you get the wide receivers, making sure you get the tight ends early. And I'm kind of looking at this this year, and, and I've had to flip my brain a little bit because I'm like, holy cow, the running backs that I just love go off the board really fast. And I'm almost wondering if I'm not going to flip it around and start going really running back heavy and waiting on those wide receivers, waiting on those other positional players or those complimentary players to those running backs this year. Yeah. And that's the thing because they are going off the board and they go off the board quick. You know, you look at guys like Zeke and stuff that we talked about earlier that we like a lot, Aaron Jones, you know, those guys I'm not getting enough of because they're just going before me. But I'm able to then in the middle rounds get a Mike Davis, get a Daryl Henderson, get a Javante Williams or a Ronald Jones, right? So that's the guys that I'm ending up with a lot of roster ship of. Right. And and here Tom Brady is like the last maybe of those great quarterbacks that you like, if I'm counting correctly. Is that the bottom? Is that the is he kind of towards the end of the uh, tiers numbers for those top seven quarterbacks for you? Yep, exactly. That's where it ends for me. I'd like to get one of them. If I do end up missing on them like I did in this one, maybe two drafts, then that's where I'll start to consider either a Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford. But I don't want to have to go there. So that's why once I see three or four quarterbacks off the board, that's when I'm going to pounce and try to grab one of my top seven. Okay. I, this is another area of, to me where I'm looking at these guys going, ah, boy, why? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure who I want here. I hear everybody loving Robbie Anderson, and I love the possibility of Robbie Anderson doing well, but I've never been real comfortable in counting on Robbie Anderson to do well the entire season. He's always one of those second-half players to me. I know he's reunited with Sam Darnold. It's going to take Sam Darnold some time to learn a new system and, and maybe kind of brush off all that Adam Gaze stuff that he has all over him. You know what I mean? And and so I'm not sure that I like Robbie Anderson here out of this group of wide receivers. Out of this group of wide receivers, who do you think is going to be the biggest potential to move up at the end of the year uh, from where their ADP was? So there's a, there's a few of them here, and that's why I like going wide receiver in this range. Robbie Anderson being one of them, of course. You know, the guy, like you said, has the chemistry ready with Darnold. He has his old college coach there who brought him over last year. He had 136 targets last season, which obviously should go down a little bit with CMC back and healthy. But he's going to be a reliable fantasy asset for you. He's going to get volume, and he makes big plays. So I love Robbie Anderson here. Then you look at guys like Devonta Smith, the Heisman winner, who is undersized, but he's still going to be the wide receiver one in that offense. And people like Jalen Hurts. So if you like Jalen Hurts, you got to like his top receiver, right? The guy is a playmaker. Then you look at the two Denver wide receivers. you got Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton in this range. And both of them have potential to be good run, good wide receivers this year. Now that they've named their quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, I give the edge to Judy a little bit. I think he's more of that underneath type wide receiver that Teddy Bridgewater tends to like. Yeah, right. But I think both of them can be very good this year. I think you're right on that Jerry Judy take over Cortland Sutton if I had to pick one or the other. I don't mind him either right here. 
uh, in this range because after this, I you, you really start. I'm not going to say dart throwing because you can make some very good educated guesses uh, towards the bottom part of this draft. But I think that like if I had to reach for anybody in this range, I don't mind reaching for a Melvin Gordon, a Damian Harris now especially now that Cam Newton is gone because I thought Cam Newton was going to vulture any kind of uh, touchdown that Damian Harris even thought about getting. And now that he's out of the picture, I really like Damian Harris now. Yeah, I love Damian Harris right now. Yeah, I, I, and and uh, Melvin Gordon, Gus Edwards. I think that Gus Edwards falls into that trap of Lamar Jackson vulturing some of those touchdowns that he may get. It's it's going to be Lamar Jackson's ball inside the ten, not Gus Edwards this year. Yeah, and the lack of pass catching from Gus scares me a little bit too. So that's why, like, all right, if I only have one or two running backs here, and I'm forced to take a running back here, I would consider Gus. But I'm normally leaning wide receiver in this range. All right, look at this next one, JB. Do you see any great value? Kind of going 81 here, we're at 81, and going down there to, I guess, 93, Antonio Brown, who I, I would imagine you really like him at this point. But we got a uh, Logan Thomas, Leonard Fournette, Debo Samuel, Matthew Stafford, Trey Sermon, Robert Tunyon, Michael Carter, Tyler Boyd, Ronald Jones, Dallas Goddard, Brandon Cooks, LaVesca, Chanel Jr., and Antonio Brown. I did it all in one breath. JP. Wow, that was yeah. impressive, Wes. <laughs> After I started going, I was like, okay, go, 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 go. <laughs> Do you see any great value here, though, of somebody who's just ranked way too low? So Logan Thomas is a guy who, if you're still looking for a tight end that can be towards the elite side, that's a guy that I would consider there, whereas Robert Tunyon's the opposite. I okay. can't stand Robert Tunyon, and I think that a lot of people are going to be in for a rude awakening this year if you're drafting Tunyon in your seventh round as your number one tight end I I think obviously he's he's a huge bus candidate for me and I've been very vocal about that um I think the value here is gonna lie in a guy like Trey Sermon who if Mostert gets hurt he takes over that lead role he's already gonna have a role even with Mostert healthy but then he takes over the lead role if something happens to Mostert which happens pretty often I love Ronald Jones here. I have a lot of Ronald Jones. I have 18% Ronald Jones because I do think he leads this backfield. One of my bold predictions that I posted today on my Twitter was that he goes for over 1,000 yards and is a top 15 running back. So to get him here at this part of the draft is a huge value. And Tyler Boyd's a great value here. A lot of people are not drafting Boyd because they're afraid of the Higgins-Chase duo taking all the volume. Mm-hmm. But the Bengals are not going to have a good defense once again. So they're going to have to play from behind. They're going to have to throw. We talked about our, our fears for Chase, and we don't really love Chase. He's had a bad offseason. He's got some off-the-field issues. So Tyler Boyd's a guy who I still see getting over 100 targets this year and is a great value at this point in the draft. At the yeah. end of that, Brandon Cooks, LaVisca Chenault, Antonio Brown, all also guys with great value and great upside. <laughs> you like everybody in here, except you didn't mention one guy, that Leonard Fournette fella, who I do have as a big bust, especially looking at his ADP right here at, at number 82, 85, kind of average ADP. I, I don't like his situation at all in Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones, we talked about him being uh, the best runner out of the bunch. Last year, a lot of times he's the most explosive runner out of that bunch. And Leonard Fournette during the season was really just being that receiving running back. And man, that's Gio Bernard. 
Bernard's role now. I, I love Gio Bernard towards the end of drafts, and I think that he's going to take everything away from Leonard Fournette. And I, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about it a little, but I got to talk about it a little bit. His vaccination status, Leonard Fournette's as well. I, it doesn't seem to me like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are really enthusiastic that he didn't get vaccinated from the news I'm getting uh, from what I'm reading out of Tampa Bay. And I just think that he's getting down on the list of preferred options. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head when you talk about what he did during the season last year. You know, a lot of people are drafting him thinking he's going to be the lead back because they remember playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny, right, where Mm -hmm. he really broke out in the postseason. But during the regular season, he only had three games with 12 or more carries. He only had two games where he had more than 50 rushing yards in the regular season. So I, I wrote about this on Fantasy Alarm. I actually got it to write a piece for them in their homer corner in their draft guide. And I talked about the Bucks' backfield and saying how he only had 97 rushes for 367 yards in the regular season. Ronald Jones finished with 192 rushes for 978 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. He got the bulk of the workload. He had over 100 yards in four different games, not Fournette. Fournette got that passing game work, which you talked about, but now they brought Giovanni Bernard in for that. So I look at Fournette as like a double handcuff, right? He's a guy who's a handcuff for Rojo, and he's a guy who's a handcuff for Gio. And I don't think he plays more of a role than that. It's not a split backfield. No, not at all. And I don't even know that he I don't even know that he's a handcuff for Ronald Jones. Maybe one for Gio if Gio were to go down. But once again, I just see him going down on the preferred list there. And I do not agree with you at all about Brandon Cooks. I don't know who's going to be throwing him the ball in Houston at all. And and I understand who Brandon Cooks is. And I know year in and year out, he does his duty, you know, he gets things done. But this year, I just think Houston is going to be terrible. I had a a, a show with John Frisella, and I, I don't know that Houston's going to win over one game this year and I think I gave him just one victory because an NFL team has to stumble into a victory and it happened to be over John Frisella's New York Jets is what I did <laughs> JB I did that for a little <laughs> just a little zigger but uh I, I don't like the Brandon Cooks thing I would rather have LaVishka or Antonio Brown personally yeah and I think both Visca and Antonio offer you much more upside Cooks is more of a safe floor each week type of play right because they are going to be bad they're going to be a terrible team and you know what they might not score many touchdowns but they're still going to have to throw the ball and somebody's going to have to catch it regardless of who's playing quarterback so I think he's going to give you a safe floor where you know he's going to get targets you know he's going to catch passes so he's a guy that you look at if you have some upside at wide receiver already you could draft him for a floor but if you have some floor wide receivers already then you look for another guy like visco or ab for the upside i disagree with you i don't know that they got to throw it in houston and i don't know that they got to catch it in houston hey jb we are running out of time and uh we you know this is this has been a great episode but tell me who might be some more sleepers that you see throughout the rest of this draft that because now at this point you're looking for people with upside you're looking for people to fill out your rosters who are some of those players that you are targeting that like okay i'm not walking away from this draft without these guys on my bench because at this point if you're looking for starters you may not be in for a very good surprise yeah exactly and some of the guys that i have in that range are going to be guys like Jalen Waddell in Miami, right? I think he could be the best rookie wide receiver. I mean, he's already got the chemistry with your boy Tua, so I think that he could be a breakout in that range. You look at a guy like Kenyon Drake I talked about could be a value. He could have standalone value, and he could lead that backfield if something were to happen to Jacobs. Then you look at guys like Michael Pittman Jr., and you look at guys like Mike Williams, right? Those are two wide receivers in this range 
that have that upside potential. Mike Williams, I love. We talked about Joe Lombardi coming over from New Orleans. He said that, well, Mike Williams is going to be the one that plays that Michael Thomas role. Yeah, well, I, I don't that. think... I don't think he'll get the same volume that Michael Thomas did because Michael Thomas didn't have a Keenan Allen there. But I do think, and, and we've said it many times before, but I do think this could be a breakout season for Mike Williams. I have 27% roster ship of Mike Williams, so I hope that's the case. Yeah. I You can get him very late, ninth, 10th round in your drafts. So I think that he's a great value there. Okay, and then you, you you didn't say Jarvis Landry at all. I know we're talking. I'm I'm looking at upside a little bit here, but man, whatever I see Jarvis Landry on the board, still around this range, he's at 99. I'm going, huh? How do I pass up Jarvis Landry? You know, 10, 12 points each and every week. He at least, you know, and he makes a good a good possession receiver, a good flex spot at the very least. I, I think that Jarvis Landry is one of those guys who year in and year out. I always look at it and I go, ah, I'd rather have somebody with upside. And then at the end of the year, I'm like, why didn't I take Jarvis Landry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He is a consistent guy. He's a guy with a safe floor that can get you those PPR points. What I worry about with Landry is that I looked at when Odell was healthy last year, right? And and any time that Baker and Odell have played together, and Odell's a squeaky wheel, it seemed like Baker felt compelled to have to try to get Odell the ball. And when he didn't, it felt like he had to run over and apologize and tell him, I'll get it to you next time. So I just hope that with Odell healthy, he can kind of be more of a team player this year and allow a guy like Jarvis Landry to still be productive. But that's the one thing that worries me about Landry. But I do agree at this point in the draft, he's a good value as a safe floor play. Are you touching in the draft? Are you touching Devin Singletary or Zach Moss? Not if I have any choice. <laughs> okay, all right. I prefer not to. Would you rather have them or Jamal Williams? I think I go Singletary, Williams, Moss now, and which is weird because I flipped. You know I used to be a Moss guy last year, but I've found that I, I'm leaning towards Singletary this year in that backfield. I don't mind Williams because we talk about the uh, swift potential for injury, that he may not be ready week one. And Jamal Williams has always been one of those rah-rah guys. Uh, but I think I gave Detroit two victories this year. I, th I think so. What about Michael Gallup? Are you touching him at all? No, I'm not really on Gallup. I'm, I'm kind of staying away from him. There's other guys I'm liking in this range that I find myself taking over him. Okay. All right. Uh, that's, I, I, I would agree with you. And what about Sonny Michel? Is he a must-have player? No. Not at all. I talked about how I'm not really worried about him taking Daryl Henderson's role. I think that he's a complimentary piece there. I don't know that his knees hold up. So I think if I have Henderson and I can get Sonny Michelle, you know, in the 10th, 11th round or so, then sure, I'll grab him and hold on to him. But he's not a must have for me at all. Wow, I thought he looked good in the preseason in the limited time that he had there uh, in in New England. And I hear the injury concerns and I hear the knees and everything else like that, but I I I don't mind. I think he's a, I think he's one of the stronger handcuffs in the league right now. That's what I think. All right, yeah. so I I interrupted you. Anybody else that you have on these lists, like a Marquise Callaway or anybody like that? Yeah, I was gonna say Callaway. I think he's a guy who can play a big role, especially with Michael Thomas out. I'm of the mindset that I'm not drafting Michael Thomas anywhere. We know he's going to be out until at least November. And I think the Saints are going to be pretty bad this year. And if they are, and Michael Thomas is a bit of a baby, as we know, 
I think if he comes back and he's half healthy in November and they have two wins, he's going to start milking that injury. And he's going to say, you know what? Why am I going to put myself out there for a losing team? Let me just completely heal and get better for next year. So Marquise Callaway is a guy who could be the wide receiver one there pretty much all year. And we know Jameis likes to throw the ball. So I do like the value that you're getting on Callaway here. The last couple of deep dives I'll give you, Wes, are two out of the three players, or I'll give you all three of them, right? Three guys that I have the most shares of, and it's because of value. It's And let me preface this by saying it's not because I think these guys are great players, but where you can get them in draft and what they can be and the upside that they carry for you is a home run in my mind. I have 41% Emmanuel Sanders. They brought in Emmanuel Sanders to play the John Brown role, paid him double what John Brown got paid and then got cut. So I think that they factor Emmanuel Sanders into this offense, and he's going to be a big factor there. The second most rostered player I have is 45% Daniel Jones. And that's as my QB2 in a single quarterback league or my QB3 in a super flex league. Because if their offensive line can hold up a little bit, they have Saquon back. They have some more weapons that they've added for him. He has the upside, and it's a make-or-break year for him. So he needs to be able to step up. And if he does, hey, I got him super cheap as, like, one of the last quarterbacks drafted. Sure. My most rostered player, Wes? I, I know is, who it is. Is 68% Tevin Coleman. I know it's going to be Tevin Coleman because I got him I got him circled right here. And you, you, so you, you think that he's going to outperform the rookie. You think they're going to lean on him. You think that they're going to take this running game to a whole other level there in New York. So I've drafted Tevin Coleman anywhere from the 12th to the 16th round. He could okay. be the wide receiver. He could be the running back one in New York, right? So if you're getting a starting running back that late in a draft, how could you pass up on that? The key to him is that his it's the guy that they know. You know, he he's a guy who is in a system that he knows. His competition is fourth round draft picks, sixth round draft picks, right? So you're looking at guys who don't ha- carry heavy draft capital. And this coaching staff brought him in. Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator when Coleman was drafted, had Mike LaFleur under him, right? And yep. then had Robert Sala under him. So when LaFleur and Sala came over to New York, they said, we're bringing Tevin Coleman with us. He knows their system. He's the guy who, if he's healthy, that injury-prone thing that they've given him, they label him as so injury-prone. If you take out last year where he went on IR, he only missed three games, two games, and one game the previous three seasons. So he's really not that injury-prone if you look at it that way. So if he gets the opportunity because he knows the offense and he gets the opportunity to lead that backfield, I do think guys like Ty Johnson and Michael Carter will be factors, but I don't think any of them are going to come in and just take the job from Tevin Coleman. They're not that good. So you're getting a guy in the 12th round, in the 14th round, that's going to be the lead running back. That's a huge value, and I'm going to take that all day long. I can hear that. I can hear you clucking chicken all night long on Tevin Coleman. Hey, everybody, enjoy your drafts that are coming up this weekend. Enjoy the fantasy football season. I hope you've gotten – I hope you've heard some great advice here from JB and myself on the Fantasy Magnet Podcast. And one of the things i got to be careful about, JB – too much noise going in my ears because when I walk into a draft room, I always try to outsmart that room. And sometimes I'll reach down there for Tevin Coleman as my number four pick in the first round. And I'll go, ha ha, I told you. you know, I, I mean, I just do stuff like that. And I, I know, I know I'm my worst enemy. So as long as I know that going into a draft room, I'll let the draft come to me. 
I'll pick the people who I like in that area. I'll try not to let some of those players that I really love escape that area, but I try not to reach too far down in the bottom of the barrel for some of those draft picks that you and I love. And and I, we're on the same page on a lot of those things, so that's really good to hear. That's right. Be fluid, baby. Be like water, Wes. Water, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to be. Hey, great job. I appreciate it, JB. Look forward to all your fantasy content coming up on all those different places that we talked about before. Make sure you follow JB at Fantasy Coach JB on Twitter. You can follow me as well at Loafin' It. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore there. Please subscribe, slap those stars around, leave a review. But more importantly than all those things, we always want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. Right. Okay, cool. You sound weird now. Do I? Yeah. How do I sound weird? That sounds better. What does it sound like? It it clicked. And and when you clicked, you started sounding like like it was on an old telephone or something. It it was weird. Huh, interesting. I didn't touch anything. <laughs>